With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Lions leading the Blue Bombers 5-10 left in the second quarter. Bombers starting a drive here on their own one. They get a running play out to the five-yard line. So the Lions looking pretty good in that game so far. Edmonton Stingers trailing Scarborough 81-78. I believe they have just gone into the Elam ending time. There's 3.48 left, so uh, assuming they shut the clock off there. So that would make the target score of 90. So the Stingers have a little bit of work to do. We'll keep you updated on that one. Elks home to the Argos Sunday. 3.30 for the countdown to kick off here on 6.30, Ched. And the game will start at 5. Argos 1-0. and And the uh, Elks, of course, 0-2. And, and they did not score a point in their last game. And the Bombers get out of the shadows of their own end zone with a long bomb throw to uh, midfield. So a quick turnaround there of the field for the Blue Bombers. All right. I am pleased to welcome back to the show a wonderful guest to speak to on any occasion. He's the play-by-play voice of your Edmonton Oil Kings. It is Andrew Peard on the line. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Good read. That has got to be the nicest welcome I've ever had to a radio show in my life. I appreciate it, pal. Well, you need to go on more radio shows. <laughs> well, we're trying. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're trying. How's uh, how's how's life? Is this a, does it slow down uh, a lot for you? I I know there's other work to do, obviously. So, uh, like, are you keeping busy, or what's up for you now? Yeah, I mean, there's always stuff that you can start doing around the office trying to get ready for for next season because, you know, as much as when the season ends in in March like it did for us, you're sitting there going, holy smokes, it is a long time until the middle of September. What are we going to do? But um, as you know, the hockey offseason, it it creeps up on you fast. And uh, before you know it, you're into the fall and and playing hockey again. So, you know, we're getting things ready for for next year. The WHL is going to be releasing their schedule uh, next week sometime. And then uh, obviously the Oil King is going to unveil some promotional nights along the way. Uh, that'll come after the uh, the regular season schedule announcement. So uh, lots going on, lots to be excited about. But uh, yeah, still a long ways away from uh, things getting going. Okay, well there there ha- there has been some pretty significant developments in the Western Hockey League in the last few days that I, that I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Robinson, who's been the commissioner since September of 2000, he's going to do one more year and then uh, step away after next season what what a long tenure for ron uh, as the commissioner of the league that's an incredible run 
unbelievable and successful tenure for, for Ron. And you look at what he's done uh, with the WHL, helping it continue to grow as we're now to uh, 22 teams uh, in the Western Hockey League and obviously continuing to push along the, the WHL scholarship, which of course um, is, is one of the best things that the, the Western Hockey League does offer to, uh, to its players. Um, and, and the fact that he's the man that guided this team through COVID, uh, he was able to instrument um, a season during COVID, which not a lot of leagues were able to do. Granted, it was only between, depending on who you were, between 22 and, and 24 hockey games. But, uh, you know, I look back at what Ron has done to, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to bolster this league that I grew up loving and, and now uh, I'm so grateful to work in. And it's because of, of, of Ron Robinson's leadership that uh, we are where we are. And uh, it'll be sad when he, when he does uh, – uh, finally leave the office at the end of next season, but uh, it is a very well-deserved uh, retirement for Mr. Robinson. All right, and the league is uh, having franchise movement. Win- How long was Winnipeg there? They would have been there for four seasons. So okay. three of them non-COVID, one of them was in the bubble in Regina. So, I mean, really three three years they played in the city of Winnipeg. Okay, so the Winnipeg Ice are moving to... Is it Wenatchee or Wenatchee, or does it matter? <laughs> Wenatchee, I believe it's, w- it's Wenatchee. Wenatchee is in Washington State. So, was it going to be four teams in Washington now? No, three teams. No, there'll be five teams in Washington and one in Oregon. Oh, this will be five in Washington already? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, because yeah, uh, Tri- Tri-City, Everett, Spokane, Seattle. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, I was I was forgetting about Spokane for some reason, and then one in Oregon. So, first of all, tell me about the situation that Winnipeg had. And uh, I, I know you work for another WHL team, but why, in your opinion, maybe it just it didn't last there in Winnipeg? Oh, it's it's quite simple. They just they they could not, for whatever reason, um, get an arena established, built, whatever you want to call it, in the city of Winnipeg, and you know that's the main reason that that ownership group was allowed to come in and purchase the Kootenai ice and move them to Winnipeg was uh, under the promise that they would build, um, uh, you know, I think it was a 4,500 seat uh, state of the art arena in the city of Winnipeg. And uh, unfortunately, I, I, I mean, I can't speak to what the hangups were along the way, um, but you know, it, it never got done. And uh, eventually the Western hockey league got to a point where it wasn't going to allow that team to operate out of its current facility, which was the Wayne Fleming arena, which is, a great arena for new sports hockey. I think it uh, it's perfect for the University of Manitoba Bisons, but um, you know the WHL operates in, in bigger facilities, and when you're talking about a market like Winnipeg, uh, you can't have that team playing in a 1,600-seat arena. Uh, now, credit to the staff there. That's the one thing that I, I, I do want to talk about is you know I got to know a lot of the people that work there. Brian Munns, uh, who of course used to work for 630 Ched, was the play-by-play voice uh, of the Winnipeg Ice. They did uh, everything they could. The staff with the boots on the ground there um, they made it uh, as, as as good of an environment uh, as you could for the Western Hockey League in Winnipeg unfortunately um, you know it was on life support this year and uh, eventually that ran out and um, a swift change was necessary and uh, here we are with a team now in Wenatchee Washington for the first time ever yeah uh, it, it's interesting because Winnipeg they, they were the one of the powers in the league for what the last two years or longer than that yeah, I mean, really, since they got to Winnipeg, they were okay. they were very successful. I mean, the the groundwork was laid in Kootenay, but um, uh, once they got into Winnipeg, uh, they they really took off and obviously culminated this year with them getting to the WHL Championship uh, Series. Okay, and then, but, and, and so actually, 
this might be I'm trying to look on the bright side here like it's it's too bad Winnipeg and Canada is losing a team but mm-hmm. for road trips to Washington this doesn't make it any, any more arduous when you go to the states if I look at where the teams are are situated no no it's um you know what I mean it's it's interesting so Wenatchee the Wenatchee Wild that's who the team will be they will not be the Wenatchee Ice will be the Wenatchee Wild that's a, a team that was established back before just before 2010 as a junior A franchise in the NAHL eventually moved into the British Columbia Hockey League uh, and now of course in the Western Hockey League the move makes sense for them in the fact that they were the only American team playing in the BCHL their closest rival was you know over three hours away now all of a sudden five members of their own division are within three hours so the move makes sense there and just talking like that you understand that um you know the the travel when you go on that u.s division road swing that teams in the eastern conference do every couple of years uh it won't be difficult at all you're not going out of the way uh it'll make perfect sense if you're going from uh what is the tri-cities uh, over to seattle uh or to everett um you know a stop in wenatchee is uh, is very easy to accommodate and, and to do okay well that's going to be interesting uh will this change the alignment in the eastern conference at all Yes, so now there will be, so finally the conferences are actually balanced over the last number of years. Um, the, the Eastern Conference has had 12 teams. The Western Conference has only had 10, um, which meant only two teams ever in the Western Conference missed the playoffs. So now it's 11 and 11. Um, Swift Current's going to remain in the Central Division for this year, and then they'll shift over to the East Division, uh, and there'll be six teams in the East Division, and the Central Division with the Oil Kings play will be the uh, five Alberta teams uh, moving forward. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> and is that, is that how it was when Cranbrook had the Kootenai Ice? <laughs> no, there was still twelve and ten then. Uh, well, was they it? Were, yeah, when they were the uh, the Kootenai Ice, they played in the Central Division. Swift Current was in the oh, East. Oh, right, they still, were in yeah. Edmonton's division. Okay, because yeah, they're so far east in terms of being in BC, it made more yeah. sense to put them with the Alberta teams. Okay, yeah. see geography as well as sports, Andrew. That's why we have you on the show. You're so diverse. I, I always- I always figured I'd be a geography expert for uh, the, for, <laughs> well, for Reed Wilkins' radio show in, uh, in Edmonton. Alberta. Yeah, yeah you're, you've uh, checked another box. Well, working in the Western Hockey League, you got to know your way around. <laughs> Even if you're not driving the bus, you got to know where you're going uh, because there are some interesting road trips in, in that league for sure. All right. Uh, what, what else have you been watching? You like? Did you watch the U.S. Open, the Canadian Open for the golf? Or are you watching CFL? I, I don't know if you go to Riverhawks or checked out a, a Stinkers game. What, what, what do you been doing sports wise uh, i plan on getting out to a river hawks game this year i didn't get to do it last year but our good buddy cam moon uh does nothing but rave about the edmonton river hawks <laughs> so uh, i'm definitely gonna go and uh, check them out probably with, with cam and uh, might have a, a couple of beverages along the way but uh, obviously nick taylor at the canadian open that was going to be probably the highlight of uh, sports in canada uh this summer and um yeah the cfl i've been, I've been locked in i went to the the elks game their home opener and i, I might go check out their game on sunday weather permitting but boy oh boy reed they got work to do well you know i and i was i was I, like i don't want to go too overboard and drawing parallels because you know the western hockey league is is not pro it's a, it's not far away for some of those guys obviously but i mean that was i, I was thinking like the, the team that won the dub in 2022 and you're calling the games i mean they're scoring four or five a night I mean, this past year for the Oil Kings, rebuilding, tougher year. I mean, didn't you guys have a seven-game stretch where they scored like 10 goals or something like that? Now, I know it's not the same as a football team being shut out, but it it was – there must have been some frustrating nights even for an undermanned team when they they couldn't put the puck in the net a lot. 
Well, you mentioned coming into this uh, this interview that uh, the Edmonton Stingers were into Elam ending, and there were a number of nights where I wish that was the the case in some of those Royal Kings games that uh, you know we didn't have to go right down to the final horn. But uh, it, it's 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 tough to watch, but uh, at the same time, with it being junior hockey these kids are going to benefit from going through a year like that. And it's, it's going to be something that they can uh, draw on as they continue to develop and uh, think back to, to how hard it is to, to win in the WHL. And uh, I think our guys got a really uh, good understanding of that last year. And I think it's going to really help them uh, moving forward into this year as the team looks to try and get back into that sort of playoff contender uh, sort of situation and area. What'd you think of the Memorial cup final? I mean, obviously Gunther and pro cop uh, were on, but I mean, Quebec just, uh, like the final, unfortunately, was not. Like, do you think Seattle ran out of gas, or, or Quebec just was that that sharp at that time of the year? Yeah, I, th- I think it was a, a, bit, a bit of a combination of both. Obviously, I think it was huge for Quebec to, to finish first in the round robin. They had that massive layoff. And at that time of year, rest is so critical with, you know, how long these guys have been playing hockey that, you know, you get those extra days off that's only going to benefit you, especially for, you know, a, a one-game winner-takes-all situation. But, man, like, take nothing away from Quebec. They were impressive. They were so fast, so skilled. Uh, their ability to transition the puck was unbelievable, and I thought Patrick Waugh did a, a masterful job behind the uh, the Remparts bench. And, uh, yeah, for Seattle, unfortunately, probably the best team on paper there, but uh, as the Edmonton Oil Kings found out uh, last year, sometimes that doesn't matter when you get to those uh, uh, year-end tournaments where it's one game and you could be going home. So uh, an unfortunate end there for Seattle and for, for like you mentioned, Dylan Gunther, Luke Prokop, Jakob Demick uh, as well playing. Oh. Oh, right. Yeah, the Camus yeah. Blazers. Um, you know, but uh, it was great to see those guys, especially Dylan, because Dylan didn't get to play at the Memorial Cup last year with the Oil Kings, so it was nice to see him get to, to experience that tournament this year uh, on the ice. But, uh, yeah, would have loved to see Seattle pull it out, but uh, credit where credit's due. The Quebec Ramparts, uh, without question, deserving Memorial Cup champions. Andrew, thanks for doing this uh, in, in your off season. Appreciate that you still take time to hop on Inside Sports. It's always fun. And, yeah, hope to see you soon, buddy. Really appreciate the update. Anytime, Reed. Andrew Peart calls the games for the Oil Kings through oilkings.ca. Love having him on the show. So, yeah, Ron Robinson, one more year as the commissioner of the Western Hockey League. Then he will step down. And Wenatchee Wild, the new team in the Western Hockey League. The Winnipeg Ice are moving. They are going to be the uh, Wenatchee Wild in Wenatchee, Washington. BC driving the ball. They're inside the Winnipeg 10. We'll probably have points to tell you about when we get back. Inside Sports with Rick Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. BC leading Winnipeg at halftime. Week three of the CFL season underway. Uh, Lions uh, looking good so far in that one. Both teams are 2-0. 780-496-0063. Kellen, what do we have? Uh, Correspondence coming in on a uh, variety of topics tonight, Reed. So we'll start with Tyler, who uh, texted in during uh, your uh, scene setter with Morley uh, during the 6.30 hour uh, or the 6.30 time slot today, I should say. Uh, He says, Ontario sports media going nuts over a small sample size? Never. I could just smell the sarcasm coming from that. He's (laughs) dripping with sarcasm. 
Yes. All right. Well, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler texted and says the inch, uh, sorry, the Hitch interview was fantastic. Yep. So, so was yours with Trent. But I had to go Google what the heck a na- naked bootleg Sally Rand was. Okay. LOL. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll leave it at. Well, the, everybody knows what a naked bootleg is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, well, I, I looked it up because it'll. I sometimes I don't. I don't word things as well as I should. The quarterback. That's the quarterback running without a blocker. So Damon Allen would fake a handoff, say, to the left side and then roll out to the right side with no one blocking. So you're hoping no one, you know, you're hoping all the defense went for the fake and then Damon rolls out to the right all by himself without a blocker. Uh, I I believe Sally Rand, was that not the uh, name of a performer who may have performed without... Clothing on? I oh, believe that's what okay. it was. Yes. Right. She was an American burlesque dancer. There we go. Yes. And the first photo that came up on Google Images is probably not one I should be looking at at work. So N-S-F-W. I will close this window. W. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Pat te- texted and says, although in 1993, the Bombers didn't have Dunnigan at quarterback. They had to go in with Garza, so it wasn't quite the rematch that it could have been. That is from Pat. Uh, yeah, Dunnigan missed the Grey Cup, right? That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no fair comment, but yeah, sometimes you need a break along the way, and that could be a, a, a team not being at full strength. But yes, that is a good point. Thanks for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. And I got a couple of texts from unknown numbers here, basically saying that this week is the week the home winning streak or the home losing streak turns into a winning streak. Well, it's got to win at once. So there we go. Uh, I sure hope so. I, I mean, like, they're going to win eventually. They're not going to lose every home game from now until eternity, until the league doesn't exist or humanity doesn't exist. Uh, eventually, the Elks are going to win. I mean, things go in cycles in pro sports, and the Elks are at, have been at the bottom. Hopefully, they're coming out of the bottom. I've, I've given the record since the middle of 2019. It's been really bad, and I've talked about how historically this is the worst str- extended stretch for the franchise since the early 60s. Is that 60 years ago, Kellen? I think it is. I think it is, yes. Uh, you know, the the team's been very, very good. What, what was it, uh, what, from 1971, I think, to 2006 without missing the playoffs? And yeah. Yes, a small league, but still they were getting in every year. You know, the five-in-a-row Grey Cups. A, a lot of good things happened here. And I'm not saying, well, just don't worry about the bad stuff because good things happen. No, it sucks going through it. Like, it it absolutely sucks. And as I've, I've talked about, so, the – the loss on Saturday was, you know, not even entertaining. Uh, some of the games last year, um, you know, specifically the games against BC and Winnipeg and a couple of games against Calgary, they, they weren't even competitive. They scored points, but it's like they don't have a chance. You know, and then the other games, they, you know, they won a couple of close games, lost a couple of close games. So, you know, it's it's tough. I, I hope it ends too. Um, and I hope as much as... I've been talking about Taylor Cornelius and some of the players not playing well. I realize that those people are human. Like, I I don't talk about that stuff to try to run them down as individuals. I I think I have to tell you what I'm seeing and and what I talk to other people, you know, interview them about the Elks or any players, that they have to say what they're seeing. But, you know, I recognize that it's got to be pretty lousy to be – a pro athlete and go out there and lose week after week like that 
they are trying. I mean, they they are they are trying. They're not they're they're trying to win. They're not trying to lose. They they want to win. They wanted to get it in from the one. They wanted to score points last week. All that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then that's why you worry about feeling demoralized or confidence going away and things like that. Uh, but look, they didn't win a home game last year. I thought they would at some point. I, I really thought they were going to beat Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago because I, I think the Riders are okay. I don't think they're great. And really, the Elks probably should have won that game. I think Toronto's a decent team. I, I don't know if they're uh, an awesome team. But, yeah, hopefully the Elks can execute better. We've talked about it. Simplify for Cornelius. Make some throws. Try to get into a rhythm. The defense is good. Maybe you get a break, and maybe you finally end that streak, and we can stop talking about it. It'll be history. Okay. we got another show tomorrow. I have no idea who's going to be on it, but we'll have fun. It'll be, be Friday. Here. Oilers now with Bob Stoffer from noon to 2 tomorrow. Inside Sports, of course, from 6 to 8. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. Oh, quickly here. The Stingers are trailing 88-83 in Elam ending time in Scarborough. So they're going to have to rally there. Thanks for listening.